What's happening? Look, I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about me. And what I can say about me that I have been following a lot of non-sports on ESPN. And the excitement is real. In just 29 days, the NBA is back. Look, I really think that 2020 is about to make a huge turnaround as the MLB and NFL football. And like I said, NBA is right around the corner for returning. These past four months, I have watched everything from The Last Dance, Building a Dynasty with the Lakers, Backstage Lakers, Backstage Dodgers, and Backstage Galaxy. Of course, reruns all the Laker games this season on Lakers Compacto. And yes, a lot of poker reruns. So, although 29 days may seem like a lifetime for the return of our professional sports, it's nothing in comparison to watching the Bachelor, the Bachelor in Paradise, and the Bachelor Tell All. Look, I'm just saying. If you don't know, you have tuned into another exciting episode of Talk the Talk with Mo Orr. We have so much to talk about today, so many topics to cover. So before we get started, this will be the perfect time to tell everyone that is not watching or listening to go watch the show and listen to my damn podcast. Oh, I know, I get it questions time and time again where can i watch look you can watch this podcast on roku fire tv and also apple tv just search the high school narrative or you can go to our app at www.thsn.today watch submit and share so download the app and if you want those workout buffs like my, my cto over there you can go listen to this podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, and Spotify. And finally, please visit thsn.store to get your top athletic gear. But we have a great show lined up for you today and a very special guest waiting in the wings and pretty anxious to get started. But first, this podcast is brought to you by The Jerky Zone. When you're looking for that high-protein pack snack to get your back on track, oh yes, the next stop is the Jerky Zone. And Intro Wheels, where custom rims make your classic cars come to life. And lastly, Advantage Capital Management, where the plus in the logo signifies above and beyond commitment to adding value to investments by providing A-plus impact to the world we touch. So let's talk sports. Let's get to it. Today's topic is a chat with Sports Stories host, Denny Lennon. Look, my guest today was raised in Venice, California with an extensive background in sports. Coaching, announcing, promoting, and sports administration, and now the host of his own video podcast called Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Please welcome my friend, Denny Lennon, to Talk the Talk. What's going on, Denny? How are you? What's going on, Mo? Not too much, sir. Not too much. But look, every superhero has 
a sidekick. And my sidekick today, of course, is my sore thumb. I call him the sore thumb. You call him the CTO of the high school narrative. What's going on, Tony Rosignal? What's going on, Tony? Mo, great to be on the show with you and Denny. Um, very, very excited to, uh, to be adding Denny to our platform. I yep. think uh, when, when you look at what he brings to the table, Mo, um, I, I will tell you, it's just pure growth for us. And, and Denny, thank you so much for joining our team. And, and we really hope uh, with what we're doing that uh, everybody's show collaboratively takes off. Yep, I'm all in, buddy, all in. Awesome, and before we stop real quick, I'm gonna say this real quick, because I wanna get it out there, that every time I see Benny via teleconference, he has a UCLA shirt on, he tells me <laughs> that it's not because that he's this huge fan, but I'm starting to think otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm wearing it because I'm in solidarity. They're under fire, Under Armour's trying to cancel the contract. It's a huge 10-year contract. What, they're four years in or something? Yeah, and 287, that's a big number. And they're trying to cancel it. I got, you know, I've been diving in a little bit, trying to find the ins and the outs of that. So I'm in solidarity with, with the struggle in Bruins. Well, if you would have told me that, I wouldn't have burned the shirt. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've already done it. So, look, I'm in solidarity, too. I just won't be wearing the gear. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. All right, awesome. Hey, so, uh, yeah, I totally uh, understand about the UCLA thing. So it's all good. So, um, hey, let's talk about Didn't you go play golf? yesterday or something like that how was it i did it played out at um it's, it's rustic canyon it's in moore park but what was um besides shooting a 45 on the back that's bragging for me mo that's right uh besides that um really got an opportunity uh to to hang out with some uh loyola marymount uh basketball players from days gone by and their new coach stan johnson and uh, i'm really impressed by stan johnson i think you and i both have talked to plenty of coaches uh, we kind of know what the coach speak is, especially when you're coming in to a, a, a new position. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they want to institute their philosophy, their culture, and so forth. But I've been particularly impressed after interviewing Stan and then meeting him in, in person yesterday. He really does seem like a committed uh, coach that's really going to get after it. He's got an interesting background, and, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do up the hill, they're right up the hill from me. I'm, I'm not, but maybe two or three miles from Loyola Mar Marymount um, University. So it'll be fun to uh, to watch him build that program. That's awesome, could he play golf? I mean, I know he can probably coach, but can he play some golf is the question. He's, he's, he's all right, he's all right. I, he's no Denny Lennon, but he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited that we're able to collaborate and uh, basically do a crossover uh in between shows you know which is really cool man and uh you know i want my listeners that uh to understand who you are and what you're doing so kind of let's talk about about your show um sports stories and how it got started and kind of tell our viewers a little bit about it yeah absolutely so you know going back um you know i'm, I'm like 55 but i got involved in sports when i was real young and and because when I was playing, um, you know, junior college basketball, I tore up my leg, had to get to work and get some work done. So once I started doing that, I was young. I was like 19 when I was an athletic director at a Catholic school. And from there, just being a coach, administrator, then um, wasn't a few years later that I didn't start developing the sport of beach volleyball for the amateur athletic union. Juniors didn't have a place to play. We used to have to play in adult tournaments, right? So we yeah. started that. That started with 32 kids. That's grown into a massive, um, you know, national program now. 
and and between that arc uh we also when i was young we started something called the venice backyard championships it was a it was a pretty cool volleyball tournament there was in a series of backyards in venice five backyards three front yards thousand people descend and we found a way to put that on the air because through that i was identified as apparently i could talk so the uh, women's <laughs> pro volleyball association picked me up and i started traveling and announcing women's pro volleyball around the country so if you add all those things together they gave me a lot of like experiences yeah. in sports both coaching administrating announcing all that kind of stuff and so that just one thing led to another um and so i got towards the end of being a high school athletic director recently and and um you know both the kids now they're they're 28 and 25 so they're out on their own and and i thought you know um i consulted with my wife the boss and we yeah he said gave me the green light yeah the check mark like let's just go for this and it's time to tell not only my story, but other people's stories that I've had an opportunity to meet that I still have the ability to get connections with through the Amateur Athletic Union, my family, or just the other connections I made. And, and there it is. And so we're building, um, you know, as much content as we can that's interesting and hopefully uplifting to listeners and watchers. Yeah, man, it's some it's some really, really good stuff. And uh, we'll touch on uh, Norm Bass because I know you just did a, a, a yeah. was it a five-part series? Four-part series on Four-part series on, yep. on, on Norm Bass. So we'll, we'll kind of talk about that and um, talk about uh, how special that was to you. Um, but first, you know, I, I see your, you have the AAU um, yep. banner back there. Talk about your relationship that you have with them and, uh, and where it came from. I heard you talk about the volleyball part of it. But talk to them how, how they're supporting you. Absolutely. So the Amateur Athletic Union was founded in 1888. It's like this venerable organization that's been around since that time, right? It was founded to codify um, rules for amateur athletics. So right. you, know, you have places like the New York Athletic Club, Philadelphia Athletic Club, all of these athletic clubs that existed. And so they wanted to find a way to, to, to make the rules standardized. And that's what they did. And, and they, did, they found that it went well beyond their own members of those athletic clubs to this groundswell of people that wanted to get involved in sports. That wasn't commonplace in, you know, 19th century America, let alone 20, early 20th century America. People really didn't recreate and play sports all that much. And the AU filled that void. And concurrently, they led the Olympic movement. They were the ones who, for all of those Olympic games, continued to pick the teams, continued to pick the athletes that would represent. They, they traditionally would come out of these athletic clubs and those would almost be the trials and they would send them off so that's the organization now it was such a powerful force mo in athletics that it took an act of congress in 1978 to break them up and it was called wow. the amateur sports act and it said that they were in effect a monopoly over amateur sports that they had to like either dial it back and become in effect a youth sport organization mm -hmm. or to just pick one sport and so they dialed it back and it wasn't long after that they formed a relationship with Disney and and that's how they launched onto Disney property that's where the Orlando you know the headquarters moved to Orlando yeah. that's what that is now and um, so you get me coming around about 1994 range um, at the time I was announcing women's pro beach volleyball uh -huh. a buddy of mine that I coached against in Catholic school ball was a was an official and it kind of flipped me out. I was like, dude, Gino, you, you know how to officiate beach volleyball? He's like, yeah. He goes, I understand you how to run, you know how to run a tournament. 
I do AAU baseball. Let's start AAU beach volleyball. We did. We only be nobody would give us a beach. The only beach we could get was Cabrillo Beach in San Pedro. Not exactly a beach volleyball paradise, but it's what we could get. We, we built a few courts, had 32 kids on a beach. To this day now, from that one group of 32 kids, I don't even know how many kids are playing now. 100,000, 200,000, not sure. They play in all 50 states. 40 of those states come out, come to our Junior Olympics and our National Championships. Everybody's operating. There's high school beach volleyball. There's collegiate beach volleyball. And of course, there's Olympics. So it's really grown a lot from that one day at Cabrillo Beach. Yeah, what I'm gonna say, what I'm gonna say real quick, Tony, is ain't that a beach? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Go ahead, Tony. Hey, Danny, talk about the comparisons between the coast AUIs and basketball. Let's just talk about basketball for one second. Um, sure. The stronghold that they have on the East Coast compared to the, to me, the West Coast basketball, when you look at it, is it, there's a million Chiefs and no good Indians and everybody wants to be in charge as compared to the quality tournaments they have in most sports on the east side of the Mississippi. Yeah, I guess it, it is interesting how it regionalizes out and it is interesting what the um, accepted norm is in certain areas. So also, I mean, the fact of the matter is AAU used to be everything. It used to run all of um, amateur basketball and that was, you know, the grounds. And now with the sneaker wars, having you know started to evolve they all have their own leagues there's mom and pop organizations but there's still AAU still gets the term it's called AAU basketball anybody who talks about it, it's like calling a, a soda a coke it's like a it's a it's a brand that goes across so it's interesting that that's happening out west for whatever reason that disintegration breaking apart seemed to happen a little sooner than it did in in a more traditional area on the east coast but, you know, we, we still had our, our, our Compton Magic, um, the Izzy All-Stars. There, you know, there's just still those, those clubs that are out this way. Um, in fact, Tony, I don't know if you saw recently the release of Manchild. It's the story of Shea Cotton. That's right. Um, it's, it's, it's legit. He was actually on, on my show um, middle of April. And yeah. uh, he's a really, he's a fascinating guy. And interestingly enough, he came up through Peck Park in San Pedro. That was when, that's where he first started. But, uh, you know, Shea talked about that's all there was, was AAU basketball that you got to play in and hopefully go towards their nationals. So well, it was a, it was a better, it was a better brand of U18 basketball because it was, and I get all the people that were involved and whether it's Adidas or, or, or however that was working with Nike, I get all that, but ultimately I mean, and we watched Demetrius Walker was a very similar problem with, with what he had. I mean, when you look at it, though, Southern California basketball is still a mecca, but it just seems so disorganized compared to how it could be as compared to AEU in New England and other parts of the South. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. I think there's uh, tradition, you know, it's just it's yeah. been, been happening more on the East Coast for a long time, and there was a little more scattered out here. But I will say, um, to the AU's credit, is they now, within the last five years, have opened an office. It's a West Coast office. My boy Stan Quash, he's out here. He came from the home office in Orlando, 
to operate that. Gino Grajeda oversees it so that there's actually a structure in place. And then we have an operator out this way. His name's Matt Williams, who based, although in Nevada, has the floors, courts, and the like so that we can start to get in those convention centers and start hopefully rebuild the brand. It just comes at a time when, you know, Under Armour, Adidas, and Nike have all found the value in starting uh, their own leagues. Yeah, and, and you know, you know what, what I what I see is is that you talk about the um, there's so much structure back east with AAU versus there's so many different other opportunities out here on the West Coast that it's just sporadic. And I think that's a good good idea for them to come out here and, and set up camp to be able to uh, put their foundation back on the West Coast. There's like, an underlying problem though too. We, the, the best part of AEU is the adult screening. Correct. It, it, yeah. That, and I'm telling you right now, it, I get I get all the, the other leagues and I get the Nike and I get this, but for the West Coast, there's only one way to monitor the people who are coaching, and that's for people who are going through the NCAA. Yeah. There is no, I mean, and I, it, it, lays, it lays in the weeds and nobody talks about it, but the reality is, we create a huge problem for our kids when we don't screen our coaches. And it, it, it's something that the AU, uh, we had an opportunity to work with them a couple of times. Zero tolerance, everybody gets screened. You have to stay current, you fingerprint, you do the whole thing. And it's a great kid for, thing for our, our, our athletes, both male and female, to make sure that they aren't preyed upon, which it, I got to yeah. give the AU, they did a great job at it. Absolutely, Tony. I'm glad, I'm glad you recognize that because we know, you know, ultimately all of us that either coach or administer sports, our number one job is the safety of our athletes. And then from there, we build upon that because with that safety comes the ability to really build character, to build great athletes. And, and so that safety is, is ultimate. And, you know, the other thing I think gets caught up sometimes is people sometimes can only, see, um, only remember what they know of AU. Sure. Oh, AU is more than a track organization. Didn't know that. Some people think it just runs basketball, but you know, it's it's 40 sports and close to a million members that are playing underneath that shield. And and so when you think of, there's a lot of narratives out there. Oh, the parents are out of control. Youth sports is out of control. Whatever it might be, but you think about it. They're giving a million kids across the country an opportunity to do something positive and form some relationships that they'll value the rest of their life. I mean, it's that that to me makes them, you know, a, a great organization. In a safe environment. In a safe environment. Yeah, you can you can and you can clean up the stereotypes of whether parents are out of control. You can clean that all up. Yeah. You know, but I think it's a, it's a great structure. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, the, the the great majority of, of people are um are behaving the right way. The yeah. great majority of the athletes aren't going to play necessarily in college or the pros, and they're just in, you know enjoying their time, yeah. have, having that opportunity. And that's the, what's what's happening is a great majority of them are getting a really good uh, value out of it. Um, awesome. Uh, I, I know we're gonna have to go to break in a second, Tony. Um, Okay, we'll, we'll go to break, uh, and then we'll come back and talk about your relationship with East Bay, um, of course, Norm Bass, and then uh, the pink hat that uh, stands yeah, on the sand yeah, nice. for volleyball. So nice. uh, we're here with Sports Stories um, host, Denny Lennon. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. When I grow up, I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a doctor. 
When I grow up, I want to be a chef. When I grow up, I want to be a surgeon or a basketball player. I want to be a doctor when I grow up. I want to be caught in a Our commitment to delivering lifestyles within reach is based on a holistic view of investing. We do not invest simply in brick and mortar, but we invest in the people in our communities and we support their dreams and aspirations. One of the great things about the North Point basketball program is it provides uh, our kids an opportunity to explore their hopes and dreams. I think the greatest thing about the program is that we are developing life skills for them, um, discipline, structure, uh, respect, hard work, friendships, fun. I think in their schools, in their uh, junior highs, in their high schools, and on into college, these are all things that sports is a vehicle to teach them life skills and, and to mentor them into being um, successful people, not only in sports, but in life. Success and stability starts in the home. Avanath provides housing to very hardworking, good people who are pursuing their American dream, and we are incubating that American dream. What we are doing is trying to support those families and help provide activities and mentorship for their children. We're part of their extended family, and it's our dream to help them reach their dreams. That is indeed what Lifestyle Within Reach is all about. stories uh, host Denny Lennon uh, we were talking about some AAU stuff uh, going into the break um, Denny thank, thanks for sticking around for segment number two sir I really appreciate it of course of course um, you know I did I, I want to let um, the young people out there know as soon as they get an opportunity to get back and involved aausports.org is where you can get all the information and find out what sport fits you and, and where, where you, what district you're in and all that all that good stuff Excellent. While you're at it, could you go ahead and uh, give out your information so they can, you know, see see where to find your uh, your podcast and uh, your stuff on YouTube? Everything, of course. All the uh, links are available at sportsstoriespodcast.com. That's our website. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking for me, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon on YouTube will get you to all our uh, information that's available there. That's an easy way to go. Or um, follow me on uh, Twitter, uh, as you thankfully do. Uh, you're, you're one of my uh, favorite followers out there, Mo. I appreciate um, that, man. At Sports Stories DL. No, I appreciate your support there. And um, I've got some fun stuff coming up, uh, more polls and 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 and, uh, and that kind of stuff that's coming up I think people are going to enjoy. Yeah, so get out there and, and follow Denny. He does some really good stuff, um, and the content is amazing, and the people that he's out there talking to, are phenomenal. So before we get into Norm Bass, uh, kind of talk about your relationship with East Bay. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that that sponsors are able to get their names out there and uh, anything that K 
can help uh, continue to progress sports stories. We want to continue to do and support. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I've developed the East Bay relationship in two different ways. One, when I was an athletic director, um, I, I, I had East Bay was a provider for team sales for all our teams and so forth. But they also happen to be a national sponsor of the Amateur Athletic Union. And really, um, the, the place where we came to uh, to marry the relationship between us and Sports Stories was with what's called the Sullivan Awards. The yeah. AAU's been giving out the Sullivan Awards since 1930. And the first winner ever was um, was Bobby Jones, right? Great golfer, but there's been these great. So it's like the Heisman, yeah. but for all amateur sports. And it's been given out every year, right? This year, we couldn't do the ceremony at the New York Athletic Club like normal. Carl Lewis is normally the host in the, in the beautiful uh, area of the New York Athletic Club and all the athletes convene in New York City with their families. Then they come to the club and we name the winner. Well, that couldn't happen this year. And so so Dr. Roger Gowdy, the president of the AU, he threw it my way, Mo. And we got to host it right here out of this garage. We dressed the place up better. But we had, um, you know, the top 10 uh, nominees across like Sabrina Inescu and Trevor Lawrence, wow. I mean, Marcus Howard. We had we had them all right, yeah. and it, it was fantastic. Sabrina won the award along with Spencer Lee, the great wrestler out of Iowa, yeah. and those were the two winners of the award. They have actually to tie, and so I got to host that. And East Bay was real appreciative. They liked the way uh, that that came off, the way we handled it, and so we're furthering our relationship. So. Good That's on. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so yeah. make sure you continue to support um, Sports Stories um, by visiting their uh, team store. Uh, it's great. I'm pretty sure you can find it all over their website. Um, so continue to support. Uh, so I, I kind of touched on on Norm Bass, man, and, and you did a four part series, uh, and I would kind of let you talk about it. But you talking about baseball, football? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. That, that's that's the that's the the sports trifecta. So kinda, <laughs> no doubt, yeah. We kind of talk about that, man, and, and what you guys did, and 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 how you felt being able to tell his story. So what was interesting is I, I met Norm at about closer to eighty years old, okay, um, and I met him at the YMCA. Now I, we he and I had similar hours because he, he I'm an early riser, he's an early riser, and we would be. Uh, in the pool area and yeah. he, he would be doing his laps in the training pool I'd warm up in there just to chit chat with him and I found him hilarious he's just a really funny guy he's, yeah. he gets going he has a way of, of jiving everybody and and like poking and, and doing this and bragging and stuff and I, I found him hilarious so uh, and then at some point um, I'm going through the hallway and I see know your fellow YMCA members and it said he played pro football he's the first black American to play pro football and pro baseball yeah. post-World War II, and I was what? And then it said he won a bronze medal in table tennis. I said, I can't believe it. I said, Norm, what the heck? He goes, you got to look me up, man. You got to look me up. I said, Norm, I got a podcast. You got to come on. He goes, well, people want to do a movie about me. I don't know if I could do, you know. And so it took me a while, but I finally convinced him. And so we did it over at his favorite restaurant, right? He came, he sits down underneath his plaque that sits right above his table where he got inducted into the U.S. Tennis, uh, table Tennis Hall of Fame. By the way, all his friends that sit at that table with them ask the owner how much they got to pay him to take that plaque down. <laughs> so, you know, they give him they give him a hard time, right? Yeah. Here's the thing, right? He grows up in Vallejo, California, North, Northern California. Yeah. He, he nearly dies at the age of 10 from, from like a really acute case of spinal meningitis. But he made it through there, lost most of his hearing at the time. He made up for that loss of hearing by yammering all the time. 
That guy can talk. He calls it woofing, <laughs> right? But he was out since so his brother, his older brother is Norm Bass. I mean, is uh, Dick Bass, who was an all pro running back for the Los Angeles Rams, people may remember, in like the 1960s. So Dick Bass, a couple years older, and Norman, they, they like ran the table at Vallejo High School, every sport. They played four sports each, and they dominated in everything. Norm was really good in all kinds of sports. We came down for the what was then the North South Shrine game in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember he that. Dominated, yeah. right? But it was one of the few ins like the few times where he faced discrimination because he comes down, he throws a 70-yard pass, he runs for a touchdown, he picks two balls off playing defense and kicks the extra points, right? He doesn't get MVP. They gave it to the other kid that had a bigger wow. reputation. So I, he told me that story one time, and, and it doesn't like it kills him. He just says it as a matter of fact he's like you know who they gave that to man he, i need that trophy back right. he's hilarious right so i was like wow okay so he he's a he could hit the ball further than anybody throw hard he was throwing in the mid 90s in high school and so he gets drafted by the kansas city a's and they could they couldn't put him in some of the higher level of the organization because they're in the south and right. so they had to put him like in in south uh, idaho Right in, right, in various places, but then he finally gets the shot. Charlie Finley's the owner, the great Charlie Finley, the yeah. Maverick kind of owner, and he's like, put that guy on the on the roster and give him a chance to pitch, and he did, and he did well. But it didn't take long before what was laying dormant was rheumatoid arthritis and a severe case of it. And he got to the point where he couldn't even grip the baseball that well, right. and they, and they started to scale him back. So he decides, I'm out of this. I'm gonna go try out for the Denver Broncos. He tries out and makes the starting team. He's that great of an athlete, right? I saw that, yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. So now at this time, they have moved because his brother's playing for the Rams. They have moved to Southern California. So they had a group of boys that they hung with. And at the time, the Brat Pack was big, right? Yeah. So they called themselves the Black Pack. And they hung in the St. <laughs> Elmo Square of Los Angeles. And all of the black um, athletes and entertainers that would come to town would go to that area because they had the best parties. Right. And so he tells these never ending stories, Red Fox and Muhammad Ali. And so, and so he tells us one story about Aretha Franklin, how she loves him so much and the whole deal. And and that like his boys didn't believe him. They took him to the nightclub and she stopped the whole thing and said, my boyfriend Norm Bass is here, Des dedicates a song to him. The whole thing, like this guy is like bigger than life, right? So yeah. he goes through that and then he's playing Denver Broncos but that arthritis is, is, is really knocking him out, and he has to retire. He became a bitter man. He was really pissed. He's 26 years old, and he could have been a great athlete, a, a tremendous pro, either sport, and it was taken away from him. And he took it out on his family, and he took it out on his personal life. But eventually, he had redemption, right? And he found that through table tennis by about the age of, like, is it 50s? He found that he went down to Rogers Park in Inglewood, and yeah. he started playing everybody. And that was, he said it was a very quiet atmosphere before I got there. <laughs> he started talking <laughs> smack to everybody. But he he compared his table tennis game to, to baseball. He knew angles. And right. he knew how to pitch and change the speeds. And he became known as Mr. Chips because he could, like, cut the ball all the time and do these chip shots. Anyways, he rose up. He makes the international team. Gets a designated Paralympic athlete. He's on the international team. Goes to Sydney at the age of 60 years old. He's a big thing over there because they're like latching on to his baseball, football, and also right, right. And he wins the bronze medal. Like crazy, right? And he comes back, and the next time we pick him up, he, he's talking to President Clinton 
about about when and President Clinton wants to meet him because he knows who he is. Right, right, right. And that's and yeah. it's like it's like a Forrest Gump kind of like story. It's like crazy. That now, is like a Forrest Gump. Now story. I, I told the story. I just told the story. Norm. Oh my goodness, he is hilarious. <laughs> He's so funny the way he tells the story, and it's so good natured the way he. Oh man, that guy. Like he, oh, it's hilarious. So I really hope people dive in because anybody that's watched that has hit me up immediately and gone, that guy is great. Like he's he's a documentary waiting to happen. And um, I actually had on a guy who tried to do a documentary, Brian Cahill, but it just kind of fell apart after about two years. But he got some good footage, a lot of testimony and stuff. Yeah, my boy Norm, oh, he's the best. So I sat with him and showed him the first episode at back in, it was the first day that that coffee company, his restaurant reopened. Not his, but the one he loves. Right, right. And yeah. I sat next to him and showed it to him, and he was he was amazed. He loved it. He was like, well, I, I didn't know you were any good at this. <laughs> you know. Man, it, 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 man so, I don't so, understand how that's not, how they don't have a movie about right. the guy already. Yeah, uh, you know, um, who's a guy who did Empire, um, who was a producer of that? Uh, oh, uh, I can't pull his name right now. But I know he, what you're talking about. He was looking at it, and apparently, you know, that didn't go anywhere, and that's what opened the door for me to do this, just this video podcast. But yeah, uh, I think I think if people watch that, they're gonna see there's there's a much bigger story. He, he, he's a unknown. He's a hidden gem of sports history. Man, they, they really gotta look. Uh, do you have that YouTube uh, link? Do you know the YouTube link for that? Because I, I know number one, they can watch it on our Roku yeah. at the High School Narrative. Um, oh, good, Apple yeah. TV, I'll, I'll Fire TV. share that with you. That's that's brilliant. Um, it's it's just YouTube, um, you know, YouTube.com, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. And you go there, and then we divided our stuff in, in different days. So it'll be under the Thursday yeah. video podcast. And it's it's easily found. You can just search at that point for Norm, Norm Bass. Awesome. Listen, yeah. make sure you guys go and, and watch it. If you can't get it there and, you, and you're having problems, of course, go to Apple and uh, Roku Fire TV, search the High School Narrative. Exactly. We have it uh, located uh, uh, under Denny's tab. So that is awesome, man. I can't believe that there's that they haven't even because <laughs> yeah. you know what? That's the it's the Black Forest Gump, man. It is. It's a crazy. <laughs> hear the stories. Cassius Clay comes to um, he's Cassius Clay at the time, but he comes and and the only reason he came is because Norm's teaching um, teaching this one woman how to play poker. Right? He's teaching how to play poker. And, and she said, man, there's only one person I know who talks as much as you. And, and she's got Cassius Clay. And he didn't even know who he was at the time. But when Cassius Clay came and played, all of those boys, they played with their guns on the table like that. And Cassius <laughs> Clay was like, wait a second. All he goes, he, man, all that yammering, that stuff. He, he stopped talking. He didn't know. Boy, we had that guy so scared. He got out of there after two games. I was like, what's going on here? Like, this is crazy, right? I know. You tell stories like that about everybody. And yeah. you said, he was like, yeah, it's kind of just a matter of fact. He just kind of throws the name out there. Yeah. You, he finished the story. You said Cassius Clay, right? You know that's Muhammad Ali. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a big deal, yeah. right? And he, go, he goes, yeah, oh, yeah, I saw him later. I told him, hey, remember when I took your money? You know, that kind of stuff, like, right? You should see, when he, when he saw President Clinton, he walked up and he said, hey, you got to show me the Oval Office. I want to see where it went down. And immediately the Secret Service came in. The Secret Service is like this, and Clinton goes, me and you are going to talk later. You that's know, awesome. Like, like this, this is a guy has, yeah, he's, 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 he's met all of these people, and he's the star because he's hilarious, you know? And he's that's also awesome. got this background. So he's, he's, he's fun business, that guy.
That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And, and look, you, you talk to so many different people and the topics and the stuff that you talk about when it comes to their lives is is amazing. I know that you're you're about to do a, a five-part series. No, it didn't start today. Today's Thursday, right? Uh, What's today? Today is Thursday, so that would start today. It starts um, today. Yep. Mr. Pink Hat himself. We, we call it uh, a Karai July, and that's the great Karch Karai. <laughs> and there's five, luckily there's five Thursdays in the month so we're gonna put it out each thursday um but for those who don't know uh in effect karch karai would be compared with you know the michael jordan or tiger woods or just the greatest of their sport there's no argument really that he's not the greatest volleyball player of all time and right now he happens to be uh one of the great coaches in the world as our u.s uh women's national team head coach and yeah it's it's um for those that didn't live through it in the 80s and 90s Karch was everything. Like, he was so good. He, 84 Olympic gold, 88 Olympic gold, and that was an indoor. Yeah. And then he followed that up with a 96 Olympic beach volleyball medal when that became an official sport. But in between, he's got more beach. He won 148 tournaments on the beach, which makes him the number one beach player of all time. He's also the number one indoor player of all time. And that, you know, he, he's it's unbelievable. Here... Here's Mo something interesting, right? His father was from Hungary. And his father was a doctor in Hungary, but this this is prior about 1955 range and this is when the Soviet occupation started to happen in Hungary. And so life became very difficult for most Hungarians. Now yeah, at the yeah. time, Laszlo his father was still in school and graduate school and so forth and actually took up arms with the rest of those students in Hungary and fired shots at the Soviet occupiers. Yeah. He then had surrounding problems, obviously, and had to beat it. Now, I don't know if you remember the other story, but like in 56 at the Melbourne Olympic Games is when Hungary played the Soviet Union in water polo, and they called it the blood in the water game because they got in a fight, fans started to throw stuff at the Soviets in Australia there, and they had to stop that Olympic game. Only Olympic water polo game ever stopped, and there was nothing but blood in the water after that. So that was 1956. That's when wow. Laszlo came to the United States. And, and and so now they have, he meets his future wife, Karch is born. They come out to Santa Barbara for uh, Laszlo's gig as, a, as an instructor and a, and a doctor. Karch grows up in Santa Barbara, plays with his father because his father was a good volley player, plays yeah. with his father from the late age, like 11 up, playing against adults and so forth, right? Karch goes on to be this unbelievable player. Well, 84 Olympic Games, the Soviet Union had boycotted. But in the 88 right. Olympic Games, the two top teams in the world, Soviet Union, United, United States. States. The right. loudest man in the stands, Laszlo. Karch's father, you could hear above 20,000 people yelling for him. And he would yell things like, rise and think, Karch. Rise and think. Like he had these quick little sayings that he yeah. would in Karch's head. And who just comes through in the gold medal match to take down the Soviets in four four games? Freaking Karch Karai, who was uh, pointing at the Soviets, celebrating with his son, who was born in America and just won the second gold medal. <laughs> and it's a beautiful father-son story. And it's like got all these politics and angles. And that's just one small slice of Karch Karai. Uh, I mean, the guy, he's hes uh, hes unbelievable. I got a chance to travel with him for a short period of time promoting beach volleyball. Yeah, I really got to know him. And he's a very, very kind uh, and gentle man that remembers and is kind to people at all points. 
a yeah. really strong moral structure. So he's got all of that going for him and nobody better to lead, you know, our Olympic team at this time. So if people are going to like that five-part series, it's pretty interesting. That's awesome, man. And, and, and I do know that he has, uh, There's, I think there's three books out. Uh, oh, yeah. The state, one called The Sandman or, or something like that, which is, which is, uh, I, I want to say it's on Google Books. And yep. then also the Cards Championship Volleyball and then, of course, um, Beach Volleyball. Uh, so, look, you sound passionate about it. I can only wait to see and listen <laughs> to him talk about it. That's that's a story, man. And that's a story. And it's, a, it's something that's going to pull at your heartstrings um, because it's a father and son story as well. So, yeah, it's it awesome. is. It is. You, um, I'm, I'm sure you've inter- interviewed plenty of coaches and stuff in – and one of the things you know, it's like what John Wooden used to be like or all these other great coaches is yeah. they take very complex ideas and make them very simple and, and easily understood. Right. And when I watch Karch do these clinics, that's what he does. He takes a, a, a very intricate and complex game and he just brings it down and he allows athletes to do their best by just, we anticipate the next play. Okay, so this happened. Now what's my anticipate? What do we do? What? Like, and it all fits together. And I just watch him because I coach forever. And I watch him and go, damn, I suck. <laughs> like, this guy is great. Well, you know you know what's interesting, Denny, is that I think that, and you think that's volleyball, right? But I think yeah. if a basketball coach or a baseball coach looked at some of those things that they're talking about cross um, sports, that it'll make them a better coach. It's, it's, Absolutely. it's just philosophy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you just transport to uh, your dominant sport. So... That's crazy, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah so that, I think that's going to be a good series, Mo. Um, you know, it's it, it, to me what makes makes things interesting too is when it goes beyond what it appears to be. You know, or might appear to be one thing, but it went well beyond that. And and Karch appears to just be this great volleyball player, but you don't even you don't have to like volleyball that you'll appreciate to see how this guy transcended his sport and and the influence he had on, on so many people. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, watching that five-part series. I'll be definitely watching one tonight, um, the first of uh, five on uh, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. So uh, make sure you subscribe to all of his platforms and uh, to his YouTube channel. Uh, so how often are you doing uh, doing shows? And uh, and what are some of the, the topics that you tend to cover? You know, let, let the viewers know that. Yeah, so, you know, what, what was interesting was uh, we were just doing the Thursday video podcast. That's, you know, how we got started. We're produ- publishing those every Thursday. And then and then we were go- rolling along. And we wanted to find a way to, like, cross-promote those, fi- you know, utilize. But what really hit was this um, was this pandemic. And right. But right before, the day before, the governor gave our, in, you know, in-home declaration. At-home state already, yeah. Yeah, um, I interviewed... Uh, Bert Mandelbaum. Now, Bert Mandelbaum is Dr. Bert Mandelbaum. His friend of mine goes back, but he's the medical authority and the medical consultant to the to the World Olympic Games, like mm-hmm. to the World Olympic Games. He's a United States team doctor, <laughs> right? And yeah. he also does the same thing for the um, World Cup. So he's at the highest level of being a medical authority. And, we, and I sat down with him and talked about his life in sports. And, and it's fascinating. But as we were entering this, we knew we were entering this. He said something that was super interesting. He talked about the evolution of humans and how they've managed to stay alive. And the, and the thing he said, he said, adversity is the engine of unimagined possibilities. Right. And that really kind of like settled with me. 
because he was like, if you if you if you're not ready for diversity, if you're not ready to change, to find a new way, then you become extinct. And so that hit, and that's when I said we got to find a way to do more shows, and we'll just do them live, and then we'll start to catalog that. Right. And, and that's and that that was the that was what was the engine drove us in there. So we started on a Monday show where we call that like sports storytellers. That's either authors or documentarians come on, talking a long form about what they're pushing. Tuesday, it remembers that Venice Backyard Championship volleyball tournament back then. That one's kind of goofy because it's me and my cousins and we're remembering something very specific, but it actually got a lot of traction because that's people great. love that. It reminded them of, of those days in their life. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, right? Wednesdays was a high school to Olympians. So the Wednesdays tended to be anybody standing out in high school all the way up to Olympic. We put the Sullivan Awards on the on a Wednesday show, and that's the highest pinnacle we could go there. But yeah. that's that's what Wednesday was. Thursday we knew we dropped our video podcast, and then Friday, Friday was kind of like I love growing up the Tonight Show. I always felt yeah. like such an adult watching that, and Johnny I always Carson. tripped out. Right, I always tripped out how the guests would come out, and 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 he would talk to them, and then they would just move a seat down and they'd hang out. Yeah, that's right. Right. Pretty yeah. soon there'd be like three people and Ed and Ed would yeah. still laugh. And so I said, I kind of want to create something like that. And so that's where we started to bring on a guest and then we bring on the next guy and we'd have a crosstalk. So yeah. at one point I'm sharing with um, Boom Boom Mancini. He's showing off his, his world championship belt. And um, T Tim Leary from the Dodgers is showing off his world series, world series ring, ring. And I'm yeah. showing off my championship from my backyard, right? <laughs> like, it's just silly stuff like that. It's all keep equal. going, but it, it's kind of cool the way they get to talk. So we try to match them up so that one talks to the next guy and then talks to the next guy. Yeah. And uh, and that that caught some traction. People started to call it the happy hour show. You know, so people started to like love to just sit there and goof um, with, with me and my guests. So that's how the Friday show started to come. So we've taken a couple weeks to kind of reconfigure things, give everybody a little bit of a break yeah. and see where we're going to go next. That's why, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of these OTT apps and what can happen with, you know, all of us putting our resources together. Yeah. I think there could be something significant. We want, you know, we want to take a look at the best way to distribute um, with the, you know, the content that we do have and we can still build. So, so Jerry West is coming on the show within two weeks. He's going to, he's going to talk what's going on. I'm pretty pumped on that one. That should be a good one, man. That should right. be a good one. Can't yeah. wait to put that on our platform yeah. as well. That's, that should do all right. So we got, yeah. got that, and you know, that's good, man. Hey, uh, so because uh, I know we only we got a couple more minutes and stuff like that, man. But there was two people I want to talk about that are very important to you. As I shift gears real quick, um, let's talk about your uncle Jimmy Lennon, and then yep. also your cousin uh, Jimmy Lennon Jr. They're they're very famous ring yep. announcers they are that's come on man how do you get started in ring announcing what do you do in order to become a ring announcer do you know uh, tell me a story well, or something well uh, i will my grandfather i never knew him he died when my my dad was like 14. my grandfather in 1910 this guy by the name of thomas ince he worked directly for louis b mayer he goes through uh minnesota he identifies him at the St. Paul Pioneer Press as a good writer. He goes, he meets him, he thinks he's a good character. He says, hey, why don't you come out and promote silent films out in Los Angeles for this movie company? 
He packs up the kids and he goes. Now that family had seven boys and a girl. From those eight came 64, and I have 64 cousins. I'm towards the bottom. Towards the top is the Lennon sisters, right? Their dad, he was a boy tenor that performed, got on a train and performed for President Hoover. They learned to sing because he could sing. My uncle Jim, the boxing announcer, he, he, he could talk like no man alive. He could brag no, like no man alive, right? So he would host things. He would host weddings, bar mitzvahs. He would host funerals, that kind of stuff, right? And yeah. at one point, somebody didn't show up at the uh, Olympic um, auditorium to, to uh, call out the fighters. And so he went straight from a wedding with his tuxedo on and called it out. But he didn't just say the names. He did little things like he made him ring the bell courtside. Yeah, he yeah. recognized any any celebrities that were sitting around the ring, right? And then he said the names correctly and he sang them out and it stuck out and they said, you got a job here. And he, he, he started doing the boxing and the wrestling. Well, a lot of the Hollywood types would come and this was when TV's taking off, movies are taking off. They liked them. So they started putting them in things like the Munsters, or, you know, the game, uh, the um, show of the week, whatever it might be. Then he gets, he's in Raging Bull, he's in Rocky, all these great. So he makes his big name for himself. Okay. Yeah. He'll never let you forget that, Mo. He will continue <laughs> to remind you of just how great he is. And so his son comes along and he, and, and he teaches his son after his son already got his college degree and stuff. He said, you want to learn this? And that's how he brought Jimmy Jr. up in it. They're both in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, as ring announcers, Jimmy Jr., who I know is Jamie because I grew up yeah. with him. He, um, Jimmy Jr., he called the Buster Douglas fight yeah. in Tokyo. He called the um, the Tyson bite fight where he bit off Holyfield's ear. He yeah. was also in the ring for Julio Cesar Chavez, 135,000 people at Azteca uh, Stadium in Mexico City, crazy. And then he was there the night um, Tyson knocked out Selden and Tupac got shot, diving under a table with the uh, governor of the Nevada at, at a restaurant nearby. So he's been at all these crazy cultural touch points. So that's why he made for such a great interview. And the, and the last thing I'll tell you is this. I was announcing women's pro beach volleyball. It's early in my time doing that. I'm maybe into my third, fourth event. It's in Venice. My uncle Jim shows up. What? He's like coming down the stretch. He's not that young man anymore. He shows up. I'm like, wow. And he's sitting in there. And I see him writing things in a notebook. I don't really know what's going on. He comes back. I walk off the stage. Uncle Jim, wow. Can't, you know, great to see you. I'm feeling pretty good about myself, right? You know, out of 60 cousins, the great uncle Jim came to see me. And he goes, uh, boy, you got a second? I said, sure. He goes, all right, son. And he goes over every word I mispronounced, every name I mispronounced. And it's about a line of about 12 of them. And then he, he reads all these and he looks up and he says, and boy, whatever you do, don't embarrass the family. Oh man, I felt, but nothing ever made me better, right? That's right, that's right. Nothing ever made me better. He was honest, he was honest. Everybody else was going, oh, Danny, this is great, you're announcing. He was honest, he was like, mm, that's not how we do it. You know, right? Yeah. So, you know, from my Uncle Jim to the Lennon sisters, I got my cousins that are a pretty popular band. But people, you know, they just learn to do things the right way because it's a family thing, right? And the yeah. family takes pride in it. And so, boy, I learned a, a lesson from that one. That's and, so funny. Yeah. That's funny you said that he was writing something down. I knew where it was going. I'm like, he about right. to give you some, some notes, buddy. 
<laughs> on your night, he gonna give you some notes, man. He, he used to tell the Hispanic fighters how their name would be pronounced. They come up and they would say like, uh, "Hello, Mr. Lennon," you know, uh, I'm, "I'm, you know, I'm Cesar Chavez." He goes, "It's Cesar Chavez," you know, like he would tell them <laughs> how their name pronounced. <laughs> but look, I, I know, uh, I saw they did a a, a tribute to uh, Jimmy Senior. Um, yep. That was, it was eight count boxing, uh, something like that. They did a, a tribute, um, which was awesome. I, I kind of watched that. And then I also watched Junior talk about the uh, Pacquiao and uh, Mayweather fight. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, was, that one was nuts because he had to do, he had to announce that with Bruce Buffer. With Let's Bruce Buffer. Rumble because each fighter was like, no, I want my I want my guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. That's really cool, man. Uh, so you said something. You said something about 64 Cousins, right? Yeah. And now that made me realize, and it was back in the day, that's where the term, when you tell somebody, oh, I have six kids, like me, I say, I got six kids. They're like, oh, you don't have no TV? <laughs> no, I don't have a <laughs> I, I always say it's good, but Catholic, you know, Catholic, a lot of drinking, no birth control. These things happen. <laughs> These things happen. Uh, that's funny, man. Man, this has been fun. It's been a fun show, man. It's been awesome. Some great stories. Look, and I know you're sitting there listening and going, what the hell are they talking about? Well, I'll tell you. You can go on and, and watch uh, on YouTube, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. You see how passionate he is about this right now? You can only imagine on his show with those guests. It's phenomenal. Uh, Denny, I, I really want to thank you for uh, coming on the show and, and joining me here on Talk to Talk and doing this cross um, show. It's been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you, man. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you guys, your support. Uh, you know, hopefully we, we can we can really bring a lot more uh, great stories to everybody, all of us together, right? I think I think we will, man. Look, uh, so I thank you to Danny. Um, listen, hey, thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen to my annoying voice. Yes, I added another annoying voice. Denny was with me today. So look, <laughs> please join me next time where my goal is to make you smile, make you cry, and or make you laugh. But if neither of those things happen, my goal is to educate and inspire. My podcast will cover any and everything from high school education, high school athletics, all things around our adolescents and all topics that can educate the community. I will continue to interview educators, athletic directors, and people that wanna make a difference and impact your lives. My hope is to share my passion for education, high school extracurricular activities and higher learning. We will continue to cover topics that will further our educators, build our community around education and topics that may save a life or stop the bullying. If you're out there and you're feeling alone, depressed, suicidal, or need some help or just someone to talk to, please pick up the phone and call any hotline or call our partners at 417 Recovery. Look, you can find me on social media anywhere on Twitter, at Mo underscore or, that's with two R's, or on Instagram, at Mo DHS Narrative, and make sure to subscribe to any of our podcast apps. Look, I'm gonna leave you with this. Take some time and do something nice for someone else. In turn, someone will do something nice for you. Stand up for those that may be weak and be a voice for change. Stay motivated. And yes, pun intended. And remember, when adversity comes, Look it straight in the eye and say, I'm strong, I'm loved, and I will overcome you. So I got to go. You have been watching and listening to Talk the Talk with Mo Orr.
for Tony and Denny. I am Mo. Until next time, I'm out. Be the voice of change. So what is Blast Athletic? Blast is an online network that connects team websites, athlete showcases, and the best sports fundraiser on the planet. In other words, we created a team website and app where teams can not only communicate through shared calendars and announcements, but also build a community by writing recaps, selecting MVPs, sharing highlight videos, posting photos, scores, stats, and much more. Everything your team posts to your team website will automatically connect to each athlete's individual blast showcase, building their sports resumes in real time. Athlete showcases were designed with coaches and scouts to specifically enable accurate and thorough athlete analysis from anywhere in the nation. Then, each week, Blast takes that same content your team posted and sends out an email update to each sponsor, focusing on the athlete they support. Trust us, Grandma would rather have a photo a week than any amount of cookie dough.